episode number 352. Whether it's about buying a product, deciding where to go out to eat, maybe making travel plans for somewhere down the road, give them the right volume of information so that they can make good decisions and feel good about the decisions they make. Welcome to the Be Real Show with Travis Tutal and Hoff, where we talk about life, dreams, social media, and business. Well, hello and welcome to the Be Real Show with Travis Tutal and Huff. Folks, you know your boy is always fired up and ready to bring you a little fuego in your day, night, weekend, and whenever you are listening to the show today. Uh, but after this show, I think you're going to really think about your content and the way you voice your strategy as well as also the way you, you talk about your, you know, yourself, your brand, uh, and things like that, and, and the ways in, and that we can basically be more real with our stories as well as uh, someone that's doing that on a big level with her book, uh, you know, an author of Trustworthy, Mrs. Margot Bluestein. Margot, are you ready to be real? Hi, I am here. I am real always. Let's go. I like that. I'm real always. Uh, and uh, so she is, folks, the uh, one of the leading voices in content strategy, in the business of content strategy. And she is now on the scene uh, even more with her book, Trustworthy, about how the smartest brands uh, can beat cynicism and basically bridge that gap of trust. As we know, Bottom line is uh, the way you keep consumers is, you, you know, you keep that trust and loyalty high. You provide tons and tons and tons and tons of value, making it easy to do business with you. But you, my friend, ha- are doing this in a, in a way of where you're working with a lot of different brands, but, but you were inspired to write a book, uh, which I know, it, it, you know, it can be a, a beautiful thing, but it can also be a challenge. Take us back into your story. Were you always fascinated with, uh, with marketing, with, uh, with like putting content out, putting ideas out? Where did this come from? Hell no. I don't think anybody grows up fascinated with, with marketing. Right. I'm fascinated with how, how people communicate and, um, and companies are made of people. So I'm always interested in how companies communicate and, and if they're meeting the mark and if they're not, if they're so grossly missing the mark, mm. what's going on and what do they lose in the process? And frequently what they lose is, is trust and respect and accountability and their audiences and their customers. And, right. and that's what was really driving me. And five, six years ago, I was seeing how that was happening in a political realm, how mm. it didn't matter which side of the aisle you were on, but if, you're, if your candidate was screwing up, maybe, maybe it was affecting you. It used to be that if you caught a candidate in a lie that that would be what would scuttle their campaign and the media would totally take them to task. Right. Wasn't happening though. People, right. people were screwing up playing fast and loose with the truth. Mm. And, um, and it didn't seem to matter. And I think that was because people were putting up this wall of saying like, you can't tell me anything new. I'm not going to learn anything new. My mind is already made up. Mm. And that's, that's mm-hmm. cynicism. That's saying like, Nope, can't tell me anything. I already know what's right. What feels right probably is what is right. And go take your take your marketing messages elsewhere. Wow. And even though my clients aren't in a political space, um, I was kind of worried and wondering would this mindset affect them too? Like I work with a lot of like colleges and retailers, higher ed institutions, financial services companies, healthcare. Right. And I wondered what does cynicism do? What is what happens to trust? when cynicism invades those spaces. And it turns out it does matter. It does matter if we, if we lose our audiences, if, if our marketing messages fall flat because they've heard enough and they believe everybody's out to get you, everybody's out to make a buck. So I wondered, well, 
who's doing it right? Who's earning trust? Mm-hmm. What can we learn from them? What are the repeatable patterns? You know, can we can we unpack this business of trust and cynicism and rapport and empathy and vulnerability? Can we unpack that and learn anything from it? We folks that are in marketing and design and content strategy. And, um, and that's what led me to writing Trustworthy. That is awesome. I love that. I mean, I think it's so important. And obviously, even coming out of uh, the crazy 2020, it's more important to have that trust stronger with your, your customer than ever. And, uh, and, and more important, if you haven't built that trust, or, or maybe you don't have a strategy to building trust, um, you know, start to think about that, obviously, through great authors like yourself. But then maybe you can also give us a little insight into uh, what are the type of customers you really love working with? What are the type of customers you find you're really synergizing and feel that you're really bringing them the most bang for the buck or also just that you just enjoy yourself working with them? I love working with organizations that are trying to figure out, first and foremost, what do they need to say? Not just what are they selling or what are they doing, but what do they need to communicate? What's their their hierarchy of communication goals to help them figure out what's that message architecture? Because after they figure out that kind of Nathi Soto, know thyself, once they know what they stand for and what kind of their organizational vision is, that's when they can start making other decisions around, well, what sort of content should they be creating? What's the right sort of editorial style and tone? What's in, what's out? What's maybe the kind of stuff that other brands should speak to in their space? Mm. Um, and, uh, and that's also when they can figure out, well, what is the story that they want to share? How are they going to become vulnerable? Because we talk an awful lot. We fling around a lot of terms like empathy and vulnerability and transparency. But I always wonder if your organization wants to be more transparent, well, what are you revealing through transparency? What is the, the risk that you're taking and what's the reward for which you're trading? And I think I see that working with, with organizations in a broad variety of industries. Um, some of my favorites have been kind of the big retailers with, with kind of juicy, interesting stories to tell about how their products get made, oh, okay. um, how, how things come to market and, and what's interesting about that. But in other cases, I love working with organizations that, that simply want to figure out, well, how can, they, how can they make their mark and how can they create heroes of their customers to help them make their mark and, and kind of have a bigger impact in the world? I love that. Heroes of your customers. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, so if, if you're starting about building trust, uh, folks listening today, where can we start building a little trust. Give us a little teaser into the book. Uh, you know, where do we get into being trustworthy uh, uh, as a brand? Not only, I think also, uh, folks, we need to think about that two part because it's very hard to keep employees these days. So not only trustworthy to your customers, but trustworthy to your employees or to your contractors or however you get your work done. Um, uh, because if you have a turnover all the time or, and that's a big issue, you know, and so you're hearing that all the time now with the, with the, it, it is difficult to get people to work in some industries. And so uh, being a trustworthy brand, you know, maybe they want to work for you versus your yeah. competitor, uh, or at least not go to your competitor based on, you know, how people get sometimes sidetracked by, oh, the grass is always greener on the other side, kind of quote. Uh, you hear that time and time again, oh, I went to a competitor and it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Um, and, 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 and when maybe that, that brand that was, you know, had that great talent could have just done a few little things to maybe uh, to build that trust. Yeah, I mean, I think you raise a really, really good point. The the turnover that we're seeing in talent right now, I think that's driven by a few things. Coming out of the, the pandemic or, or moving into kind of the next phase of the pandemic, right. people are realizing more and more that 
their skills are portable. The working from home, if, if you're in the business that allowed that kind of thing, that has taught us that our skills are portable, not necessarily that you want to go to the highest bidder, right. but why shouldn't you go to an organization that's going to fully appreciate and support you and where your values align mm. with those values of your organization? And the best way to retain talent then is to make your values visible. Let people know who you are and how you are so they can decide if that's really where they want to be. Because that's, in fact, the best way that most organizations within any industry can better differentiate themselves. If you can't compete on price, compete on personality, compete Mm -hmm. on what makes your organization unique. And for so many organizations that say that they want to better connect with their communities, better connect with their customers, the best way to do that is by rallying around the issues and causes that most affect your customers. I think gone are the days of saying that business should stay out of politics. Citizens United kind of put the final nail in that coffin. And, And now, more often than not, survey after survey is saying that customers want to know what are the values that that the different organizations where I spend my money, what are the values that they hold dear? They want to know that because it helps them make more informed decisions about how and where they spend their money. Mm. I think going back to your original question though, about what organizations can do, the framework that I present in Trustworthy, it's three parts to building trust, focuses on voice, volume of information, and the vulnerability that your organization brings to communication. Mm -hmm. And voice focuses on how do you communicate visually and verbally in a familiar and consistent way with your audience? Like now is not the time for some big rebrand where people look at you and say, I don't know who you are anymore. No, give them more of what they know and what they can, what they trust, because that also helps them trust their own knowledge about your organization. Then as far as volume, make sure that you're supporting their needs in terms of level of detail, the the type of information that they want, um, the number of images in a product gallery so that they can make good decisions, whether it's about buying a product, deciding where to go out to eat, maybe making travel plans for somewhere down the road, deciding what candidate to support. Give them the right volume of information so that they can make good decisions and feel good about the decisions they make. And finally, that third V in the framework, vulnerability, that refers to both the risk that you take to make yourself, make your organization more known to your audience. How do you reveal what makes you unique, the the values that your organization holds dear, dear? But also, what do you do when you've when you've screwed up? Maybe when you need to come to terms with values that you're not embodying correctly in the marketplace, or when you need to come back from some big blunder. How do, you, how do you reveal that very human and accountable side of your organization? I think by investing in those three areas, that's how businesses, that's how government, that's how public health institutions build rapport, build back respect, empower their audiences, and ultimately win their trust. And trust is dollars, folks. Let's just be real. Boy, uh, at the end of the day, let's just be honest. We are going to put our trust with our pocketbook. Uh, I would say, you know, you're, you really trust in the brands that you are looking in your bank statement and you're spending money with, you know, because let's just be real. That's where you, I, you put your time or your money in things. And if you're putting your money in these brands, you must trust, believe and care about them. And then at some point continue to care about them every month. If you see that, Oh, it's a recurring charge. You know, we always see those recurring charges and, uh, 
I know Amazon, they got some serious trust going on because uh, they, we, we put, I know in our house, it's just so convenient. It's just so convenient to uh, order things, have it show up at your door. And they built that trust over a long period of time that, you know, even if we don't get our packages as fast as we used to, because everyone's using it, uh, we still keep buying them, you know? And so I think they've done a great job personally uh, to, to keep that trust strong with the consumer. Um, Amazon represents an interesting case though, because think about what we trust about them. I mean, we trust that they'll have a huge selection and Amazon's right. worth of options. Right. We, we trust in that, that fast, speedy prime delivery, but we don't necessarily trust the company itself. We don't necessarily trust that they'll deliver things in a way working through their warehouses in a way that respects their, their employees. We don't yeah. necessarily trust that they'll treat their, their suppliers and subsidiaries and any small business that sells through them. We don't necessarily trust that they will treat them well and fairly. And every time they get called on the carpet for those types of practices, it chips away at their brand integrity. Mm, and, and that's a tough thing because you're right. People do spend a lot of money there. But we have to ask, are they the, are they the retailer and furthermore employer of choice or of habit and convenience? And after a while, as, as people start to to realize kind of the, the pain that, that they go through when they're saying, well, it's just fastest and easiest for me to get it there. I don't love shopping there, but it's fast, it's easy. Maybe it's a little bit cheaper as well. We see how that chips away at, at both our, our kind of personal values and the impact that it has on, on other employers, other small businesses, other small bookstores in our communities. Absolutely. That's a tough thing. And I think more and more people expect more of businesses, and Amazon is not immune to that. May not affect their market share just yet, but it certainly affects their overall brand equity. It will be interesting. It will absolutely be interesting because they had a great 2020, let's just be real, uh, along with a lot of the retailers. I'm a huge fan of Target. We spend a ton of money at Target, huge investors in Target, love their brand too. I think Walmart does a good job too. And there's a variety of tons of great retailers out there. Let's just be real because we got to buy things. We got we to gotta get things to us. And, and if we didn't have that convenience of things and products coming to us, I believe is that's the most important thing. If you are a small business or retailer and you're not embracing online, digital, et cetera, and pivoting your business, you will be out of business, unfortunately, if you're a small bookstore that doesn't find ways to sell across eBay or other places where there's marketplaces of people all over the world. And they might not bump in your, you know, your local bookstore, but they're buying from you on eBay, you know? And so you have both levels of, of income, both the local revenue and also the Amazon Red I know personally tons of restaurants and businesses that did actually pivot some of their popular product lines to Amazon, eBay, et cetera, and have done really well amongst also having local businesses, you know? And so I think that's the, the, the new model is you have to somewhat adapt it, although I agree with you. I mean, I don't think it's exactly the best practices. And uh, Mr. Bezos, if you're listening, which he's not, uh, uh, pick, step your game up for your team. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, things you can do there with your, with your people. But, uh, but besides that, I mean, obviously, they just, they just they don't know how to suck money out of my bank account. I'll just be real with you. Them and Target, they just do a great job. Them, Target, and Save Mart, which is our local grocery store, they know how to suck money out of my bank account. And I think that can, that, that's my loyalty. You know, that's my loyalty because I could choose someone else. I could go to Walmart. I could go somewhere else. I like Target. I really do. I think they, they do a good job. It seems like their team and employees and staff are very happy. They've done a great job pivoting their business to more online and kind of competing with Amazon 
whether you go to the uh, the location to pick it up or you have it shipped to you for, I think it's $40 or $35 now that you have to spend with them to get the free shipping, which is cool. I mean, that's not bad. If we're going to spend 35 bucks, I mean, I don't mind spending it with Target, you know? So um, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right, my friend. And uh, it will be interesting in the next 10 years here to see if uh, someone can knock or, uh, you know, compete with Amazon because uh, it's one of those ones that, you know, uh, it's like Sears, right? Back in the day, maybe if you want to call it, but who knows where Sears is a different company than it was, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago when they invented the catalog, right, Margo? They completely invented a, uh, a way of buying things. And uh, I always think, is Amazon going to get Amazon? Is Amazon going to have, you know, someone else kind of come in and take their lunch? Um, it will be interesting. It will be interesting. Well, and I think with both Sears and, I mean, if we want to sort of like forecast future of Amazon, right. it isn't so much even other retailers that have knocked them out. It's the changing face of a more empowered consumer. And I think as people think of themselves as more than just consumers, but realize their their might as as citizens within a global community, that's where there's the real opportunity. I mean, Got just to hear you, you describe kind of like, your enthusiasm around Amazon. I'm a big fan of Target as well. So many other retailers. But think of how horrible that would be if we were only existing as consumers when when we have power as so much more. And then to look at how small retailers, like small bookstores, they're not just selling books. They're also building community. And by pivoting in such nimble ways. Small business has such a tremendous opportunity right now and has been uh, really seizing that opportunity over the past year to pivot in more nimble ways than than the big behemoths can possibly even imagine to be able to deliver products more quickly and easily to, to local consumers, to still find ways to maintain community. I mean, even just with like launching Trustworthy at the time, like if it had come out a few years ago, yeah, maybe I would have done like a, a book tour across the country. I don't know. Maybe I would have hit like half a dozen different different big bookstores and all. Right. Got some Instead, autographs. Got some autographs going, you know. Yeah. Launching during the pandemic meant that it was all over Zoom. Right. I visited, virtually visited dozens of bookstores and meetups and, and tweet ups that were bringing together communities of local readers to talk again all over Zoom, engage with them on their questions maybe drive some foot traffic into those local bookstores if they were open, but at the very least, they could still fulfill those online orders. Right. And that's great. And I mean, as an author, I sell through Amazon. I sell through Barnes and Noble. Right, 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 even right. Target was carrying my book for a while, which nice. I love. Like, you could buy my book and Cheez-Its at the same time to read in the same <laughs> manner in which it was written. You made that's it, girl. That's <laughs> That's awesome. I'm a big fan, though, of the community also around the book that right. only exists because of those small independent bookstores. Absolutely. I mean, there's always going to be a, a uh, if you want to call it a gritty entrepreneur, right? There's always going to be a gritty entrepreneur that just keeps finding ways to, you know, grow the business or at least stay alive. Let's just be real. Mm-hmm. And then there's some businesses that just get too big for their britches and they go out of business, you know? And I think uh, somewhere in between there is, I don't know where, where, where it is, but there's a little piece of happiness in the between there. And uh, shout out to any of those small businesses that, you know, like you said, just, you got to sell everywhere. You know, even if you don't like the platform, you still kind of have, you have to have your product there. And uh, I hate to see, you know, customers say, I, you know, I don't want to do it. I remember hearing my customer, this is a little quick story about DoorDash. So she said, I don't want to sell on DoorDash. And we said, hey, you're going to sell a lot. And this is before pandemic. Pandemic hit. Number one brunch uh, on the West Coast restaurant on DoorDash. 
she's making more money than she's ever imagined with that brand because she just put her brand on DoorDash. And so, and to open that convenience up to people and then obviously has the local community and helps people, but she can only serve so many people on a given day where she could be taking DoorDash orders, uh, you know, continuously amongst also serving those people. So uh, shout out to those business owners because you got to be greedy. Now we're about to take you, my friend, into our top 10. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Apple or Android? Apple. Apple. Netflix or YouTube? See, we're seeing where you're I'd love to say lies. YouTube, <laughs> but I'm just thinking about my queue right now. It says a whole lot of Outlander. <laughs> nice. So Netflix and chill. I like that. I like that. Uh, Instagram or, or Facebook? Instagram or Facebook? Facebook. Facebook. Chicken or steak if you're thinking about a good meal? Ooh. Neither one hits my top 10 favorite meats. So oh, there going. you go. Okay. Well, what's your favorite then? Let's just uh, start with that. Number one, puffin. Number two, duck. Ooh, I don't nice. Care they're, they're good. I like that. I like that. I've never had that one. That sounds interesting. Laptop or a smartphone? Ooh, closest screen is the best screen. Got you. Closest screen is the best screen. Spotify or Pandora if you're thinking about music? Pandora. Pandora, the OG. Video games or movies? Movies. Movies. Reading books or listening to books? Oh, reading. Reading. Get the physical. On paper. I like that. I like that. Get that physical book. Uh, stocks or real estate if you're thinking about diversification of your investments? Stocks. Stocks. Liquid. I like that too. Oceans or lakes? Because we all deserve a vacation. And if you could uh, go on any one right now, uh, which would you choose? An ocean or a lake? Ocean. Ocean. Which ocean would you like to go to? Because we all deserve it. Like I said, vacation. We deserve that. Ooh. North Atlantic. Ooh, nice. The North Atlantic Ocean is coming your way soon. And when you're waking up, Margo, in your day, and you're getting yourself ready, prepared for your day, why do you love being you? I'm sorry. Say that again? Oh, I'm sorry. Why do you love being you? Like when you're waking up in your day, you're getting yourself ready. You're, 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 you're thinking about the day. Why do you love being you, Miss Margo? I'm the only one that wakes up to the face of my dog. <laughs> Let's go. What kind of dog do you have? He's a German Shepherd. German Shepherd. Wow. Greatly, great, incredible, very smart dog. Uh, do you think you'll ever retire from the game of uh, content strategy, helping businesses, writing books? I don't think you can retire from this. I think you just you just find other clients, find other ways to to communicate on other platforms. Right. You don't stop thinking about it. I like that. I like that. Stay in the game. Do you have a routine on starting your day? Do you have something that you do like a, a morning routine or a way that you get your day started? Doesn't have to be regiment. So first see the dog and then gotcha. check Twitter, see kind of what's what's tracking, what's trending, what's kind of buzzing around right now. Right. Um and then email and then kind of get heading toward coffee. Get the day going. Get the coffee going. Figure out what's, what, what, what we're going to get things done here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has there been a skill that you're trying to master or get better at right now? Is there something you're trying to perfect or, uh, you know, just kind of work at or get better at? Yeah, I would say slowing down to read more, more long form, more long articles, books, dig into more, more immersive experiences like that. Got you. Because we're so used to articles and blogs and, uh, you know, not, it's still long form content, but it's not at real long form content. Or even just kind of scrolling by, you know, 280 characters at, at a time. 
those are those are snacks and they kind of whet your appetite briefly but but i like more like the the big content meal yeah i agree i mean sometimes that just takes your time obviously we only have so much time in the day but uh there's nothing like that. You're just learning something new. I think that's the challenge of life is learning something new. Is there an app or a tool that you like using in your daily uh, life? You know, it, it sounds pretty dated, but I organize most things through my email. And this is going to sound very, very Gen X, but I also organize a lot of my thoughts through PowerPoint. I like oh, nice. laying things out visually and cool. then being able to see them sequentially and move them around at a macro level and and then, you know, print them out small, cut them up, move them Got around you. more and, and bring my ideas together that way. That's cool. That's a different way of thinking of it too. Like, I mean, obviously with a lot of us, I like writing notes on my guests or whatever, but that's a cool way of also just organizing your thoughts on a project and like you said, printing them out and kind of looking at it and kind of figuring out how's this all going to work? Um, If you could sit down to a puffin dinner, your favorite meal uh, with anyone in the world, who's chopping it up today with, who you want to sit down with and uh, and have dinner with? Oh, the best, uh, best conversation, funniest conversation and where I always learn a lot sitting down with my husband. Nice. The husband, the OG. How long have you guys been married? 16 years. Good job. Wow. That is amazing. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult to be married. I know I'm coming up on my five year and uh, it is a challenge, especially after 2020. And uh, shout out to all our amazing husbands and wives out there uh, putting that love and energy. We can get through these tough days, folks. We can get to that brighter day. And uh, I'm sure uh, after 16 years, that is a blessing. So shout out to the husband, the OG. Uh, <laughs> has there been a book that you either reread or kind of sticks to your heart? I go back to a lot of John Irving. I okay. love I love the character development there, um, as nice. well as a lot of Kurt Vonnegut to to kind of make me think gotcha. broader and more different differently, and um, to not kind of take the world at face value. And I think that 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 kind of approach to expect a little bit more from a story, a little bit more in the world around us. I think that's what also teaches us to navigate, you know, news in these modern times and with a, with a healthy dose of skepticism to say, not just that's what it is, but to say, well, what else, what more, what else could it be? What else should it be? And, and I think fiction gives us a lot of that, that kind of insight. I think speculative fiction and science fiction helps us to, um, to ask a little bit more to say what else. I like that. I like that. Say what else? Uh, well, I appreciate your soul, your energy and, uh, we want to get more people to learn more about you. Where's your favorite place to uh, hang out online? Where's your favorite place for people to learn about the book, learn about you, uh, so we can send them there in the show notes? You can find me on Twitter at mbloomstein. As I said, I'm usually there first thing in the morning at the very least. And find out more at appropriateinc.com slash trustworthy. And, and you can find that everywhere books are sold. <laughs> there we go, folks. So uh, if, if you just literally type that in on your friendly Google or your favorite search engine, you will find that book. But we appreciate your soul and energy, my friend. Like I always say, the world is full of abundance. I think this is not only your first book, but maybe another book coming, never know. But more importantly, I can tell you love what you do. You're passionate about that and you spread that energy and soul. And I I, I hope that those that are listening today can feel that and know that we can all be a little more trustworthy with our day, our nights, weekends, and evenings. 
and uh, and with our partners, with our friends, our loved ones, and our spouses. And uh, so, God bless you, my friend. We're gonna have to go follow you on Twitter and Bloomstein.com. Uh, but you've been hanging out with Miss Margot Bloomstein and Travis Too Tall and Huff. We want to thank you again for your time today, and let's keep being real. What another epic episode and uh if you enjoyed the episode today can you please do me a favor and subscribe to our podcast the be real show on itunes or your favorite podcast platform and also take a little time today if you don't mind and give your boy t huff a review i would really super appreciate it and thank you so much for listening today we're all going through a lot right now and real-time outsource my business is giving back to local and small businesses through our social media services and campaigns, we are actually helping small businesses get more exposure during these times and also when we get through these times. At the end of the day, we don't know how long this is all gonna last, but most importantly, you gotta think about your business right now. Take it seriously. So come check us out at realtimeoutsource.com, realtimeoutsource.com, and we would love for you to qualify and get the process started where we can take a look at your business and see if we can qualify you for some of our services. Um, at uh, little to no cost for most of the businesses. And, uh, and, and some businesses, you know, you're going to have to pay, but that's just part of life, right? But most importantly is that I think this is the time, folks, that you can actually help thrive in your business. And so I would love to help you personally with our team. We're all going through a tough time right now. So take advantage of us, realtimeoutsource.com. Check us out, and we would love to do some business with you and help you with your social and digital media in 2020 and beyond.